Hi, I'm Frances Liliana, and this is The Dallas Type, an interview series where we celebrate the different personalities you'll find in the Dallas creative community. And it's also an attempt to see if there's anything that we might identify as a unifying element between all the creatives I've asked to participate. So, in regards to creatives here in North Texas, is there a Dallas Type? Today's chat is brought to you by the letter G. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. How's it been going so far? What do you mean? With Elda? She's a handful. Oh, no, I was like, I'm the project. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's awesome. Um, I know. I think it's cool, and, like, um, I feel like it's a it's an attainable project. Like, I can make it happen, and then, I don't know if it's kismet or not, that it's actually, you know, 26 weeks between my 15-year anniversary and whenever I roll off officially, so... 15-year anniversary of what? 15-year anniversary of working in the industry. It's kind of cool. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the low-rent Debbie Millman. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. What is your full name, your position, and your company? My full name is Richard Augustus Granger. I go by Gus, and I'm the principal of 70 KFC. So, if you had a superpower or an alter ego, what would it be? Time travels. <laughs> what is your day job, and how would you describe it? My day job is uh, running my agency, 70 KFC, and um, how would I describe my day? Yeah, each each one is different. It's a mix of creative directing. Being a psychologist, being a sales guy, being a a a, a, a terrible finance wizard, um, it's a it's a, it's a juggling act, but one I wouldn't trade for a whole lot else. And how long have you been doing this? Can you give me a, a number for the amount of time you've owned the company, but also kind of how long have you also been in the field, and also what got you into the field? Well, this is our twelfth year. Um, running, this was my 12th year running the company, and I, well, I guess next May it'll be good for 20 years in the design field. Dang. Yeah, you should have a, you should have an anniversary party, a big one. That's right. Yeah. What, what got you into creative, into the design field? Design was an accident. I went off to college to be an illustrator because I grew up being that kid that, um, could draw anything, and so that was my that was my archetype going through elementary school, middle school, and high school, and was encouraged by my family, my mother who was an art teacher, and my grandfather who was a photographer and architect, and you know it was you know something that that combined with you know college always being a priority for my family was just kind of molded itself into um, that that art skill was going to you know be something that I was going to build a career with. And when I first went off to college, I was going to be an illustrator. And as I started learning what the life of an illustrator was really going to be like and the potential for my 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 livelihood to be based on my aesthetic, my style being um, popular at the time, and I thought I, I, I took a design course because I realized I'd be working with art directors and designers and I'd want to learn a little bit more about um, what they were like and what it was going to be like to work with them. And and at that point, I started learning about illustrators that also happened to be designers. And I think the first one which really occurred to me was 
uh, Milton Glaser, and I realized I didn't have to abandon what my passion was, and I could, you know, really start to pursue this new passion of uh, design, and I haven't looked back since. So is is Milton Glaser one of your heroes? Uh, absolutely. And um, did you ever get a chance for him to be a mentor, or you know, who who would you say if you the first name to come to your mind as your mentor? Did not have a chance to work with. I think I may have met Milton Glaser once. Met Paul Rand before he passed away. But uh, no, I think you know, and this is a, a a common answer for a lot of people in Dallas. But the closest I'd have to a mentor would be Willie Barney. I get to talk to him tomorrow, so it's big circle of life. Um, yeah. What is your what is the your favorite part of what you do? The favorite part of what I do is honestly the reason why you know I started in the first place was just being able to spend my day working with great, um, really smart people and have fun doing what we do, um, solving problems. And um, I suppose the, the 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 ideal answer would be like get to design and create things, and that's 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 the that's the byproduct of it. But um, the first the people have to not suck in order for the, to enjoy the creativity, and so I definitely prioritize that and just love coming in and spending time with great people. What is your least favorite part of the job? Is it people that suck? <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, that is uh, it is it is people that suck, and um, and it and this doesn't have to be people that you know work for me or folks that we work with. But you know, and that, and even I, you know, I, I I hesitate to just you know throw that label down. As like, all right, here, this is a person that sucks. Um, you know, we experience our dif- our differences in a in a sucky way, but a big part of it I mentioned earlier about my roles as a psychologist a lot of times is just problem solving and understanding where people are coming from and whether it's a team dynamic and you know conflicts which might be coming up between personalities. You know, how do we? You know, how can I help mitigate that? you know, difference of opinion or different communication style. So the two of them can benefit from each other's intellect and problem-solving skills for the work to benefit. Um, or it could be the way that the team interacts with the client or the way that we engage with, um, you know, vendors that, you know, when that doesn't go right uh, is, you know, that's 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 the worst. I think that, you know, just dealing with um, painful, you know, people or painful situations is that's, Actually, it's a higher stress than almost anything else. So, I mean, you know, speaking of stress, like being an owner and, you know, kind of having had 20 years in the, in the industry, um, you have a unique perspective on, you know, what are the, the difficulties that might be facing the field right now that might not have been there before? Hmm. Or on, on, on the opposite standpoint, I mean, maybe, maybe you can talk about what, what the biggest opportunities right now are. Specifically, I think you know, even with the the project that you've you've been in and all the socials for recently. I mean, do you do you see design having a bigger opportunity in regards to the impact it has on actual conversation that's happening well, in the world I mean, right now? I, or? I, I, I can the, to the the Modern South project. I mean, I could talk forever specifically on that, but I feel like the biggest opportunity for um, design period, in some ways it, it crosses over to um, our modern self project, is, is from my perspective, and the way this really goes to the way that we're, we've grown the agency, is 
how different disciplines help make the others more effective. We have designers and developers and PR people and digital marketing people that we throw into, um, that we put around a project to help make the end result more successful. And each person sharpens the other. And I really have seen it happen that it makes the work stronger. And, um, and when we're getting results like that, it allows us to be, um, it elevates the value of our work and it allows us to be, you know, more present at the decision-making table with our, our, our clients. And that's, I think that's important for the, the industry and, um, and, and it's important for business. And I think at least growing up in, 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 in not growing up in the business, but as I was learning about design in college and in the early days, I, mean, I see a lot of um, designers working in isolation and um, just being able to see the opposite and just the, the impact that uh, collaboration and bringing different ways of thinking into a problem and really getting a bunch of really bright people to surround and attack a problem as a team is I talk about the office a lot about the military concept of our force multiplication, um, that you've got one plus one can equal five. Um, you know, if you've got the right chemistry, it's literally, but it's that, that those two people working in isolation are creating more value. Um, they, they create more value when they're together. That's, that's, that's the long answer to your short question. <laughs> How would you describe what you do to somebody outside of the field? I mean, I think you probably had to have a little bit more conversations with um, people that you know just in, in the neighbor's community, um, especially with the attention that you're getting. Do you have to talk about, like, what your process is, or do you do you have that kind of short answer for, you know, this is what I do. I draw for a living. It, it, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's honestly not a, 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 a question that's been posed um, recently, but, you know, we have – when I just take a step back and think of just design, at, at our best, we're artists using our talent to solve business problems. And from a pure just design standpoint, that's you know really what we're doing. Whether um, and it could be businesses, organizations, you know, whatever. But if there if there's not a need to communicate, or if there's not a goal or an objective, then um, and this could open a whole other can of worms. That this without the function, it is it's it's more on the camp of it just being art. And but when it you know it starts to employ a function and is has a task of some sort or a mission, then it you know it it takes on a, a, a different state of being, um, a different value, a different role, and that's where I start to define as design. Um, and so we start there. I mean, so that actually kind of gives you that fodder for, you know, a, a career where when you're seeing things elevated like that um, from just merely something that's visually pleasing to something that solves a problem, it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to be really proud of the, of the work that you do. Describe a project that you were, you were the most proud of. What is the, the, the biggest problem that you've solved or, or just, I mean, even something, even if it's a visually appealing solution like what describe something that just you you just beam about well i'll make it our modern south project because it's recent there's some older ones that are there but it's it's top of mind because it was a project that you know we took on you know what can be a touchy subject in this country in 
reimagining, really reimagining, you know, creating a visual identity for, you know, the, the modern self. And whether you, you, you perceive that as challenging, you know, old South mentality or not, people are gonna, people are gonna bring their own baggage to the, um, how they're gonna perceive the project. But, you know, we try to stay above that. But, and, you know, this was, this was a project which was, which came to us through the NPR affiliate, um, radio show called Studio 360 to, in the, in the wake of the Confederate flag controversy following the Charleston shooting, you know, to, to get a firm in the South to really take on this challenge of, you know, what should represent a modern South as older symbols are being challenged and taken down that's going to be less divisive. And then we had this really diverse team, um, primarily made up of Southerners to kind of come back, come with their own experience with that symbol. Some people which were really, had a, a positive upbringing with the, with the old symbol for the flag and others which had, you know, a, a very negative one. And that we were able to wipe that slate clean and, you know, how do we tell a new story? And going through that process and, you know, challenging each other and having fights and debates and fear and trepidation and, you know, there were times that we made it optional for people to participate in the project and like, hey, are you going to be able to go home for Thanksgiving? <laughs> because your 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 great uncle is going to be upset about that, but it, nobody shrinks away from it. And you know, coming out with you know a, a solution that our team you know really rallied behind and was proud of that you know a, a whole group of designers could you know like point to and say you know we did this. It wasn't just one person that crafted this thing. That um, you know that there, there's those sour grapes or that's from because it was it was it was a really hard fought you know competitive um spirited you know process of getting to the solution but in the end the whole team lifted it up and you know matured it and showed just turned it into something that has really taken on a life of its own and um from seeing that story go viral and you know be recognized internationally and praised internationally and um, and, and, and attacked domestically, uh, it was exhilarating and fascinating and one, just really just with being able to take a step back and realize that we had, we were helping lead a national conversation around design and what brand means. Whether, you know, the, the participants even, you know, knew they were having that conversation in the first place or not, it didn't, it didn't matter. That's what it was about. And um, we're, we're as, as, as a team, we're really proud to be able to put something positive and, construct, and constructive into the, the national dialogue around that topic and uh, hopefully take another step towards elevating the value of the profession through this academic exercise. Um, not to say that, you know, whatever we came up with was perfect, but the fact that, you know, people are even having the conversation in the first place is um, is a gigantic start. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything particular that you find in, in just this kind of pattern kind of going on in, in the conversation? Is, is there something about your personality that you think led you to being a creative or kind of or that has helped lead you to where you are now? I think so that I don't know if being shy and introverted led to me being creative, but, you know, I had this penchant for art and drawing, and um, th that was already there, but the part of my personality which was reluctant to see um, caused a, a really, uh, I'd say, a deeper inner monologue than 
authors that may have been more extroverted because they didn't care what people thought. I think that, you know, the shy individual is, you know, what does this person think? Where are they coming from? If I say this, are they going to judge me? That it causes you to kind of like think, or it's caused me to think through so many different things before I ever took an action, before I ever spoke. Um, in some ways, you know, like the, the, the shy, quiet kids, you know, sitting against the wall, maybe they never spoke. But they're sitting there processing and thinking of everything. And that has... I think give me a, a really rich perspective of the world and um and maybe really sensitive to the way other people think and um engage with others because I'm trying to read others and read people and um are hyper focused on everything that I say or do, um, because there's still that, you know, self conscious kid that wants to make sure he's saying the right thing. Um, and there's, 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 there's negative aspects of that, but I think that has, uh, affected the way that I approach problem solving, uh, with that same fierceness towards, um, detail and perspective before putting anything, putting any work out there for people to judge or experience or view. Yeah, I think where I, where I've seen that is really, I mean, and you kind of mentioned it in the conversation about where you see the strength of the team as they come together, you know, I think force multiplying or whatnot and your ability to, to really be, you know, psychologist or mediator or whatnot. I mean, it, it really does when you're quiet and you're watching the entire conversation happen and then you give your input. It does, it does amass a lot of, uh, wait when you actually do say something. So, what what do you do for inspiration? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of energy that that goes into kind of watching all of the things happen and and have all that weight kind of on you. What refuels you whenever you have to engage like that? Like, what's if you, and if you were to ask me five or ten years ago, it would have been a different answer. But I think for I think recently, I've really begun to appreciate the the value of networking. And really letting your brain rest and or just recharging or changing perspective um, that just working yourself into the ground um, and like I'm going to just attack this product. I like it is better to if you're going to work 18 hours straight on something as opposed to working in two nine hour chunks with rest in between. I say take that rest even though you may want to have that thing done whatever amount of hours sooner because you were done it all the way straight, I say your mind is going to be sharper, you're going to be more effective, and the solution is going to be stronger if you've had that break in between. And so whether it's just taking a walk, you know, going home, spending time with family, doing something, you know, good for yourself, that getting away from problems is an important thing. But also even if you're just in you know, as, as designers, just getting into a, a completely different environment. You know, we're blocks away from the arts district downtown where, you know, I tell the, you know, our whole creative team all the time, just be like, look, this entire city is your office. You know, so you've got laptops that you're working on something. Go down to the DMA and just spend the whole day there that our, our, our minds will just shift into a completely different mindset, you know, when you're surrounded by, you know, like ancient Asian, you know, sculpture as opposed to, the, you know, going sitting in front of a, you know, the castle painting, you know, for a period of time. And that, that, that'll affect, you know, your, your mind to work in different ways and to approach problems and, um, and from unique perspectives that is going to be completely distinct from looking at the, the same wall that you stare at, you know, 98% of the time, um, at, at your desk. And that's, 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 that's the, 
trying to figure out how to make the ideal creativity predictable and uh, repeatable is is the that that's the that's the impossible thing. There's no science to this profession that we're in. That's the 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 mystery, the magic that's part of the the stress and anxiety that it, that is just so exciting about what we do and which gives so much value to what we do to those who can't design is that there is no formula. You are at at, 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 at its best design is art. And when you're just sitting there and be like, all right, now invent, how do you do that? It's, you know, if it was, if it was a formula, everybody would be doing it or for the formula software would be doing it. Um, it's, it's that mystery, which is exciting and trying to find out different ways to get our brain to, allow us to create new wonderful things is uh that's 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 those are the things that i'm 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 inspired and energized by and i try to um get our team to do as well so when you when you take your truck out mudding Mm -hmm. do you have a sketchbook in your car (laughs) this is kind of my segue into um (laughs) what does your usual saturday look like but i really kind of want to talk about that um where where did that come from I mean, who inspired the, the, who inspired you to like who took you on your first mudding trip? Well, it is it is broader than mudding per se. While there 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 is definitely mud on some outing, but I it it really started as a as a curiosity for me because I had an older truck that I was getting rid of. But I was also it was also coinciding with this time that I really wanting to just find a new act, just new activities that I could just go and enjoy um, myself at my, so much of like my free time was either spent working or taking care of my kids that, you know, all that is focused on my work kids or my home kids that, you know, I really wasn't doing anything for myself. And, you know, I grew up in Minnesota and spent a lot of time in the outdoors and camping and in getting in looking into getting rid of this old Land Rover that I had, I started learning about these communities which are, you know, using our vehicles to, you know, go and explore the outdoors and go and camp in remote desolate locations and um, you know, it's just finding just adventure within hours of where you live and that was really intriguing and I was like, you know what, I already have I already have the tools right in front of me, and I have never even thought about it. It's funny, like our SUV culture, period, we are surrounded by hyper-capable vehicles that can do idiotically um, astounding things out in the wilderness that we only use to drive to the mall or to the office. But um, that was was the lure. And, you know, being out there earlier talking about the importance of just, like, you know, get your brain into a different space, you know, when I'm – traversing some insanely steep, rocky um, slope with a, you know, multi-thousand pound, like, Land Rover with my kids in it, and that I'm like, all right, how do I safely do this? And, like, you are 110% focused on every little detail of your speed, your angle, your, the, the where your tires are, the angle of, of the, the 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 hill is is do I all is my rear tire off the ground? Are we going to roll? It's not that I'm like it, it sounds crazy and I don't do anything that dangerous with my kids in it, but that it is it is it's like you are you you can you can only be 
100% present in that than where a lot of other activities I could I could be out riding a bike and my mind will instantly drift to work. I could you know be you know rowing a boat and my mind will drift to work. That air I think there was something appealing about that. That just you know no matter what amount of like stress and pressure is going on at the office, they were just doing something so just kind of intense and requiring that level of focus allowed me to just quickly pivot and switch into something else, which was a lot of fun. So. Well, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's an interesting foil to see, you know, the work version of you and, you know, from a social standpoint, like a kind of an alter ego. It's, it's odd to see, you know, yes, we solved this problem and watch this hill. I'm going to, you know, just kind of mess up my truck again. You know, it's, it's yep. kind of cool. So have you had any really great revelations or, you know, great, I mean, I guess if, you, if you're not able to think about work, I mean, have you ever had a really great idea out there or is it that you're really actually able to to disconnect which is i mean i it's, think it's the disconnecting which is more useful for me honestly yeah um that i it, and, and and you know we talked about bills that just work themselves to the point of like burnout which i've been there before that i'm like i really think it's important to just get your get just get into a, a space which is just completely different and just let those if you if, if you're if that part of your brain or like muscles and just like let those muscles rest and just recuperate and use something else and that I think that is what makes me more effectively creative is just being able to just like turn that like We've like, we, we talk a lot about like, as soon as we get, get our design training, suddenly like, I can't look at newspapers, menus, bulletin boards, web, you know, websites, license plates, stickers, anything that everywhere we go, everything is designed and you are constantly judging what font is that? Why is that misaligned? I think that's beautiful. I think that's ugly. It's just like, I, I think there's something unique about the designer, which is like you can never turn off the design brain, and that it's activities which I'm able to just. I like I've enjoyed like snowboarding. I enjoy this this, this off-roading and overlanding activity. That there's there's such focus there that allows me to just not be a designer for a while. So when I do come back and I'll be a designer, creative director, that it, it that that part of me is is fresh and recovered. So it's not. I, I can't think of anything that's like, you know, as, as soon as I, you know, drive across some river that I'm like, Eureka, this was a great idea for, you know, what's that, 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 it's like that just doesn't happen and then I don't, and that's okay. But what, but what actually has been, you know, fascinating is that the, the relationships which have happened by, you know, me following my passion is, it, you know, there's a, we're working on a, a, a magazine for like this community of off-roaders that it's like suddenly like my passion has kind of like followed me um, into the things that I love. And now I'm doing work on things that I love to do where those things would never happen when I never, when, when my only, you know, pastime was work. You know, there's, there's not an opportunity for my work to be about the things that I love to do because it, it's this, it's this terrible cycle. But, you know, as soon as you find out, you know what I love to, like, if you if you love to knit, if you love to swim, if you love to do all these things, then they suddenly, you know, you have an opportunity to come to bring that expertise into the work that you do. And those opportunities have been coming to me just with this, you know, activity that I've 
been doing for just a little bit over a year. Seeing that happen um, makes me wish that I would have learned this lesson much earlier in my career. So you you mentioned driving across rivers. So we're we're going to go into the Dallas conversation now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this wouldn't be a Dallas type talk without uh, a couple of Dallas questions. So why Dallas? You said you came from Minnesota. So um, why Dallas, Texas? Well, when we first came to Dallas. Um, my wife and I, this was back in, in 1998. It was because it, we, we knew no one there. Um, you know, I grew up in, in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis area. You know, my wife grew up in Arkansas and we worked there a couple of years after college and we just really wanted the opportunity to, to, to just deal with the challenge of going someplace where we didn't know anybody. And it was that it was completely different from, where we came from, and that at the time, you know, Dallas had a great out, great economy, um, and there was lots of great work um, in the design community that was happening here. I used the print regional to kind of go through and evaluate, you know, like, all right, what sick of the cities do I want to go in? Well, who's, who's doing great work here? And I'm paging through and, like, highlighting different firms, and um, that, that, that kind of, like, became my, my list. And so the good work that was happening in Dallas was also a big driver. And we had left briefly. Well, it wasn't briefly. Uh, we left in 2002 and um, was in a lot of other places and, you know, went to Chicago and North Carolina and Michigan and Indiana. And we had kids along the way, and we just really realized that the best friendships that we've made over the course of our career, um, the best just business experiences that we had in contact. It was all back in Dallas and we realized that was going to be home for us so we came back and we're done moving. So we're we're close to being done here. So right. what is what is the last item on your bucket list? Hmm. I suppose I should have a bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, honestly, I I, I just I the only thing which comes to mind is just being able to retire young and just travel and just really, really explore the entire earth and um, enjoy it and photograph it. And that's that's my other side passion, photography. Um, I mean, that really is it. And I think that um, what's going to enable that to happen for me is being able to attract great people and great clients and do great work and, you know, hopefully this whole, you know, project of um, bringing the best people together to do really exciting work will will, will get me closer to that goal. But, um, you know, that's, 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 that's the best answer I can think of for you right now. Okay. We're, we're into the quick fire now. So okay. um, put your, put your I'm a brand brain on. So. Okay. What is your favorite font? Din. Favorite word? Eviscerate. Nice. Uh, favorite color? You don't have to try to name it and, and, it's, and it's hex numbers or PMS numbers. You can say blue. <laughs> <laughs> I said blue. Did you hear me say blue? No, I didn't. I said blue. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I, like, I thought you were. You know, I thought you were pausing for effect. 
No, I thought you were pausing for a No, no, no. I said blue. That's crazy. You want me to say PMS 541? I don't know. That's really blue. (laughs) Um, What is is your favorite quote? My favorite quote? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm thinking of a quote from Corinthians, but um, I, I, I can't rattle it off, so I will paraphrase it with a Paul Rand quote which is work like a dog. Elvis or the Beatles? Elvis. Describe yourself in five words. Humble, quiet, strange, forgiving, loving. Now, condense all of that and describe yourself in one word. Now it's time for me to pause for effect. Soldier. Awesome. Um, That's it. Is there anything else you'd like to add as as we roll into my imaginary credits? This is where if I ever get like a sponsor, I'll, I'll play it over. And right. Uh, no, no. I, th- th- thanks for your interest in um, this. This sounds like a cool project. Best of luck with this. Yeah, and and thank you for for participating. Um, All right. Give your give your kid a high five for me. We'll do. You have a good night. Okay. Bye. The interview you just heard is bookended by the track Blue Jay from the album Feathers by Blue Dot Sessions, which I borrowed from freemusicarchive.org and used under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial License. Thank you for listening to The Dallas Type. I'm Francis Soliana. And remember, as the late, great Tom Landry said, today, you have 100% of your life left. <laughs>